Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the hairy brown suit and checked yellow and orange tie of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are rapidly realizing that the Daily Prophet needs a Dr. Ruth. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I'm disappointed. I was going to show off the new suit I bought the other day, but apparently you've already been spoiled. So, who wore it what better? is <laughs> said suit? Hagrid. Like, what's it supposed to be like? You know, is is there a an interesting depiction in a movie of this thing? Because, like, while I the the tie, I have a, an image for the the suit itself. Um, while an interesting choice doesn't doesn't bring to mind some sort of uh, image. It's it's an interesting. I had not actually thought about this before, but like in the movie, it, this is depicted. Um, mm-hmm. This is Hagrid's go-to formal wear. It should be mm-hmm. it should be noted, and it's an interesting sort of like fabric in the world because it seems to be sort of pelt-like, but it has much more give to it than you would if than it would if it were like actually a fur suit. Gotcha. Um, so a little unclear on like the treatment process to get it to move like a Harris tweed while still being like a gopher. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, we know it's not we know it's not mole because that's his regular day wear. Yes, but yes, maybe maybe vol, maybe mink. He's got options. He does he does have options, and I I do imagine that there are like there should Snape choose to do so, he could probably concoct some sort of potion that you could treat with which you could treat these um, carcasses to make them a little more <laughs> supple in the world. So we do a podcast here. Um, we do. <laughs> Let's talk about giant fashion. Yes, and so, man, I, I am all in on that podcast. Um, so we are on what number chapter are we on? Why can't I ever remember this? 16, we the are, Fire. Yes, the titular mm. chapter of this whole book. We have finally gotten there, and we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid-fire recap, BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. Uh, we award house points. And then there are questions, queries, qualms, quibbles, and there are quotients of those that we will get to. <laughs> well, to start things off, Sarah, this is a long chapter. Guys, there's a lot of things is that so happen. Long. Is this so another long. chapter of where it's just uh, two minutes and a hope and a prayer, or do you have a goal here? <laughs> well, the goal is two minutes. Um, <laughs> All right, we have a goal. But because of the uh, the particularities of the rules, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to bet two minutes. So I am going to bet one minute and 55 seconds, and the hope and the prayer will come with the under two minutes. We are passing a rule about that come next season. (laughs) All right. If you are ready, the novelty stopwatch is ready. Well, less novelty, but more functional, if you are. Ron is particularly perturbed about the appearance of Victor Crumb, especially because he ends up sitting at the Slytherin table. The Durmstrang uh, kids seem impressed by Hogwarts, while the Beaubaton's lot... Do not. Ron is also perturbed by the new foods. Less so, however, when it turns out that a startlingly pretty girl from Bobaton wants the bouillabaisse. There is active conversation about whether she's a vila, she's that pretty. Amid the speculation, however, Bagman and Crouch and Crouch appear to kick off the celebrations and serve as Triwizard judges. Filch brings out the casket, which contains the titular Goblet of Fire. Dumbledore takes out the goblet, which spits blue-white flames. Aspiring champions are meant to write their name on paper and drop it into the fire for the impartial magical judge object to judge. 
Please note that an age line will be drawn around the goblet by Dumbledore himself to make sure only of-age wizards enter. But if your name comes out of the goblet, you enter into a binding magical contract to serve as a champion. The feast breaks up and Harry catches sight of Karkaroff shepherding Crumb back to the ship. And then Karkaroff catches sight of Harry. Moody emerges and they have a very tense moment before Karkaroff retreats. Everyone's up early the next day to see who will enter their name into the goblet. Fred and George try an aging potion, which seems to work until they're magically hurled out of the circle with new luxurious beards. They watch a few more people enter their names and then decide to visit Hagrid. Hermione thinks she can get him to join Spew. Hagrid opens his door dressed to his nines, which we later learn is specifically for Madame Maxime. They start gossiping about the tournament. Apparently, Hagrid has been asked, um, involved in preparing some of the tasks. Hagrid also shuts down Hermione's Spew talking points, claiming that taking away their work would make the house elves unhappy. They eventually make their way back to the castle for the Halloween feast and the champion selection. Post-feast, everyone turns their attention to the goblet. As the champion's names are called... There to make their way to an antechamber for further instructions, the goblet becomes more agitated and spits out its first name, Victor Crumb, for Durmstrang. The second piece of paper shoots out for Fleur Delacour from Beaubatons, the girl Ron has been eyeing. Finally, Hogwarts, and the champion is Cedric Diggory. Dumbledore returns to his speech, but the goblet becomes agitated for a fourth time. He snatches the final piece of parchment. It shoots out and reads Harry Potter. You were slow on the click, Spencer. I want everyone to know but you he were was slow sl- on the he, click. Well, he was also slow on the start click. So, well, I didn't see that. <laughs> B- BJ, you're the rule keeper. Does it count? Because um, it's it's two. For those that don't see, it is two minutes sixty. Uh, we'll have to review this on post, but but it, the uh, human reaction time is a thing. Human reaction time on start and stop, I think, I think is a fair fair average to go with. Uh, so so this is this is a this is a just a marginal failure then by BJ's declaration. <laughs> Okay. You were close, Sarah. That was, I was impressive summarizing that. It was a lot of material yes. pan, chap, uh, pushed into that chapter. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> She's pissed. You can't win them all, Sarah. I can try. Damn it. Okay, what well, are we wheezing about? Um, first of all, I, I, as always, will wheeze about food when there is an opportunity to. Um, it was frustratingly jarring to me for this feast to have a first course that has steak and kidney pie and bouillabaisse and then the second course is just dessert (laughs) and the only dessert described is basically wobbly milk and not very wobbly milk and i like i i don't know if this is just a british thing where it's just like are we're just gonna like talk about a course meal because people in france do but we're gonna do fuck all with it because we hate you all (laughs) or what and also just the the fascination of i don't know who it is maybe it's jk rowling but like it's there are all these magical weird foods but as soon as bouillabaisse is on the table everybody's just like oh god what is this super weird thing well, hermione i had this on vacation it's actually an interesting thing from that far off land france the foreign country, the strange exotic world. Yes, the, that well-known other, the Frenchman. <laughs> well, this is the British talking. If there's ever going to be an other, it's going to be the French. So, so yeah, that that was just a. I don't know what's going on here. I, I like J.K. Rowling's like interactions with food. I think is weird. I, I don't like. I think she she probably is the perfect person for those soylent like meals in a in a bottle <laughs> and and like has no actual interest in in anything other than calories to continue writing and and 
tweets that she probably shouldn't put out. She um, seems to be interested in candy, which, to be fair, would fuel both of those things pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, another thing about the feast, which I thought was very weird, um, is that like they're judging the table settings, uh, like from from both the Bobotans and the Durmstrang, and they're just like. I feel like in the movie they could just be like pocketing some of these gold plates. Like I don't really know what's going on, um, and it's hilariously weird. Uh, but at the end of the feast, the golden plates have been wiped wiped clean, and Dumbledore now can stand up. And I just sort of imagine people polishing it with like the the corners of their robes because like none of this is sensical. Like I guess you have house elves do the cleaning eventually. Like you'd clear plates, but like wiping the plates off is just like a somebody clearly understands that plates need to be cleaned before like something happens um but doesn't actually functionally understand how that happens in real life Mm -hmm. um and so just i don't get it it's hilarious this is definitely like a an alien describing like the eating habits of humans rather than like somebody who's (laughs) sat down at dinner and then cleaned up after themselves well because what would have had to have happened for this to even make any sense in the kind of prescribed rules of how things happen at hogwarts is that the the dirty plates must have been like sort of spirited away down to the kitchens for the house elves to actually deal with but then did they spear it up, like simultaneously spear it up clean plates so that they just have clean plates sitting in front of them? <laughs> I have no idea. It's, it's nonsensical. And the other thing is like clearly you can use magic to clean stuff functionally as evidenced by Molly Weasley. And so to use house elves is just, is a really funny, like it's a make work thing. And maybe <laughs> they are just happier doing that because like all of the things that they do essentially have to be a make work thing because a reasonably powerful witch or wizard can just do it with a little bit of magic. So they, can, they can't be arsed. Um, the age line is a hilarious thing of magic to exist and is, I, I'm going to argue maybe one of the most powerful spells that we'll ever, ever see. Okay. It, it, it is perfectly exclusionary and like can't be magically tricked mm-hmm. at pre- least that we see so far mm-hmm. and the precision and so, of it too down to the month right and so you know you could down to the day even mm-hmm. presumably mm-hmm. so presumably with this type this spell you could you could do two you could do like narrow it down to like a person basically you know yeah. if you do it right mm-hmm. and maybe maybe that's how uh dumbledore protects the school like you know he just has an age line that everybody above 18 can't enter like unless they're like special dispensations the number of things that you could do with this are impressive but Mm -hmm. also you could prevent people from doing dumb things like you just put it around a bar that's like that is fair yeah this is the classic example of an incredibly powerful, incredibly useful spell in the wizarding world that has only one purpose, to confront mischief. Because mischief is the only thing that happens other than the day-to-day norm. Right. And I'm almost positive we will never see this spell ever again. I was just about age. to say, this is the one and only time we see the age line employed. Yep. It's going to be particular to the Goblet of Fire, particular to Dumbledore, and never again. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if in the last book, you know, Voldemort himself is just marching down to murder Harry and suddenly he gets thrown back and there's a giant ZZ Top beard on him or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
though, like I have loads of things that have that are follow up questions because there's no way that anybody else casting this spell gives people white beards. Oh, that's a hundred percent a Dumbledore thing. Yes. Right. Exactly. So, so the question is, like, are you know, I would like to think that spells become specific to the people that use them, mm-hmm. and so then, like, what other fallout are you going to have from other spells from other people? Um, again, sort of a frustration that we have, like, this interest... It's like all of the interesting magic only happens once, never happens again, and is only specifically relevant to a single plot in a single chapter. Yeah, but the number of times we'll see Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> Legion. Yes. Um, and also whatever Yeet is. <laughs> oh, Expelliarmus is really, yeah, is, is the real... Yeah, the real workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, I have something that I don't know whether it's better to put in Quibbles, Newbie's Notes, or here, but I'm just going to do it here because mm-hmm. I I don't understand. Hermione was, like, salivating after Crumb, as I, I thought, when we had the Quidditch tournament, and she was just like, oh, he's, like, the sexiest man-beast ever, and now it's just, like, she can't be bothered, And I don't, she has never struck me as socially aware enough to, like, pretend to, like, not care about something. Mm -hmm. And so is this something that was just forgotten or is there something else going on? My my third note for Newbie's Notes, Hermione is in a mood this chapter. Hermione just spends the entire front half of this chapter just spitting fire and pissed at everybody. Yeah, because she's real mad at the Bobatons people, (laughs) just, like, on principle. She's yeah. just nonstop. Why did you come here? Didn't you know it would be cold? It's not that cold. Yes. Like all those things. And it's just like, well, she's not pretty. She's not that pretty. Like really guys, like it, it, this is not. Um, so I guess this is more of a quibble, but I'm going to put it here because the quibbles are much more questions. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a bad trope about male authors writing women poorly, yes. especially in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm going to put forth that <laughs> that might be an issue in this series. Yeah, I oh. actually think that Rowling is, and that's a really, really good point. Rowling is much better at writing like male characters than female characters, just across the board. Like, I, yeah. all the female characters have no depth, and like, I think this could, like, we could have some Hermione chapters, and this could have been mm-hmm. one of them, mm-hmm. where there's more than just her spewing her nonsense. Yeah. And that's all we get. Yep. I think that that is a 100% fair point. I, you know, I think that there is probably, I don't know, I guess we could ask, and I would have had to have read more of, like, Rowling's adult fiction. I read the first mm-hmm. book she put put out, and, like, it was pretty good, but I wasn't actually looking for this, so I'm not, I can't comment yeah. on it. But I do want, my first question is, like, is some of that coming from the fact that well, we are in a third-person narrator, like, we are closely following Harry, mm-hmm. who is just, like, maybe not as someone we're following around in the world, someone who is himself super cued in on how Harry? other people are thinking no. and feeling in the world. I mean, or it's yeah, possible I mean, that she's actually stories? just an author stand-in. And I mean, so, Rowling like, having the either. dumb jock being, like, the, the narrator mm-hmm. and, you know, m- makes it a, more complicated. But I guess I would say, like, I know more about Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle than yeah. I do about Cho Chang or uh, Johnson, the, girl, the girls yeah. in Divination that, yeah. that I feel like should, mm-hmm. at least Crabbe and Goyle, like, 
Goyle should have semi-equal time to some of these other girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... no, I think that's I think that's fair. We don't really get a like complicated female figure until the next book, and even she is like super is it relies on tropes in ways that yeah. I, I, I agree with you though, Sarah. It seems to be an issue primarily of just perspective that. He's a young boy that is mostly hanging around other boys or his limited friend group, and he doesn't really venture that far outside of it. Like mm-hmm. when he refers to that other, when the, when the book refers to that other girl as like a third year and never gives him gives her a name, I almost just picture Harry just not knowing who that is. Mm-hmm. Sure, so. but we also have professors that are not taking up similar amounts of time for no particular reason, and we know more about Snape than we do about McGonagall. Mm-hmm. We know more about. That one's fair, though, because Snape and Harry have a, pre- have a personal relationship and connection. That's true, sure. but, uh, I mean, I still feel like I probably have more of a sense of, like, what's going on with, like, Flitwick than I do McGonagall. That's fair. Um, so, you know, that... But, like, to be fair, Hermione has not been, a, like, emotionally... An, an emotionally complicated character since the first book, before they were all friends, and she was described as, like, you know, like, actually being hurt by something that Ron said. and right. But it seems like as soon as they became friends, like, she lost all of her emotional complexity. But, like, that was a real moment from Hermione, yeah. I think. Closest she's had, really, in the last three books is now, honestly, she, her, her with a cause. This is mm-hmm. the most characterization and motivation we've seen out of her in a long time. Yeah, because she's, like, living a life outside of Harry and Ron, which mm-hmm. yes. could have been interesting with the time-turner, but, like, in the last book, but that was also kind of glossed over. No, the fact that she was, like, literally living twice as long and doing all of these other things outside of it. No, that was just homework. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, also, and it was, we have a specific need in a plot point for Harry. And so this will be a through point for one of the characters whose only use is, oh, Harry needs to go back for three hours. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. And the only mm-hmm. effects that Hermione seemed to have been um, suffering from this, like, what I would imagine is, like, a both dramatic and traumatic experience of, like, continually going back and forth in time is that she's tired. <laughs> yeah, it's one, it's one of those things where the butterfly effect, a far inferior work compared to this, at least went into the ramifications of nonstop repeated time <laughs> travel. But no, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, so the rare you? fair point, BJ. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> we both conceded to a BJ point and inform the presses. Passes the House and Senate, gets yep. approved by the president begrudgingly. Yes. <laughs> Sign into law. Yep, mm-hmm. no, I'm done, Spencer. Go for it. Okay. Of all the things that, you know, st- you know, stress my belief, push me to the brink, the thing I have the hardest time accepting here is at the start of this chapter that Ron doesn't know that Crumb goes to school. Like, no. That's just dumb. No. A, Ron would know that. Ron would know that his birthday, he would know where he went to school, he'd know everything about him. Plus, they'd be marketing that. If he's a child prodigy that's going to school while also being on the national team, that'd be part of all of the the press releases. I think the only people that seem to do any marketing are Fred and we, uh, are Fred and, uh... George? George, for, for their tricks. Like, no one else actually advertises... It was just, what was it, the World Cup? The Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans and yes. the, uh, some sort of cleaning clean, solution. Quick clean? It's a cleaning product. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that is not a thing in the real world. They'd be advertising that all to shit. It'd be the first thing to be mentioned in every interview. It would have come up, Ron would know, but whatever. Um, I'm curious as to what houses our other schools immediately cozy up to. 
Because, you know, Durmstrang, we've already had hints that they're a bit Slytherin in terms of their overall school mindset, so mm-hmm. that's in keeping. But Bobotons, we haven't really know much about them yet. So the fact that they almost immediately go to the Ravenclaw table is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that may give us a bit of a hint into their style of teaching, their style of schooling. And the- For how much interaction J.K. Rowling wanted to write. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, well... <laughs> Wow. Maybe that's a little bit mean, but it's also it, it's also kind of interesting that like this seems like the entire school shows up and and I had a question it about may that, not yeah. be that, but it like it's insane to me that like they're not a lot larger and a lot more like maybe split up into houses in a similar way, or they just decided that this like wasn't a good way to go. I mean, I, I guess it's very British versus non-British schooling, mm-hmm. but it seems surprisingly minimal in terms of like the number of students and like because harry says at one point there's only like 20 new people in the room like yeah. he, he even says that the room it feels stuffier even though there's only like 20 new people so I, I interpret that to be that only those that were going to put their name in the cup showed up only the elite sarah you're nodding your head that's how yeah. we should read this yeah i think my understanding is that they they certainly only brought the people who, the students who were of age to be able to enter in the first place. It might also mm-hmm. be that they have sort of whittled down that pool as well um, to only the people who are interested in, likely to whatever, whatever, um, insert their name in the first place. And this gets borne out a little bit later in the chapter when we have the mm-hmm. two separate, at least we see all of the Bobaton contingent we see both put we their see name everybody in. yeah i couldn't remember if we saw it or if yeah. somebody just said the Durmstrang crew has already been here yeah and everybody put their we, name in whatever it was yeah we, we have heard and confirmed that both schools every single one of their members put things in which mm-hmm. put kind of right. hogwarts in an awkward position of they're like hey every one of them is in this is someone of us going to put our name in please yeah. and also we have to put these restrictions up only for our own students because yeah. <laughs> they've already been selected which is also very interesting thing for something that's presumably a large event Mm -hmm. that they're keeping it under wraps in the uk but nowhere else because everywhere else they've like selected and so presumably it's not like they're aware Mm -hmm. i guess nobody has pen pals yeah didn't percy have one like once feather friends what is it <laughs> it almost factors into a stereotype the british have about themselves where a lot of their literature they always they always write as if every other nation is better organized than they are <laughs> they're I mean, always just kind of a disorganized kind of vague functioning while every other nation has their shit together which so also bears out in this chapter a little bit <laughs> oh just a bit um they said hermione spends at least the first two-thirds of this chapter just in a real real piss of a mood she is just spitting fire constantly Caught me off guard, because usually Hermione's almost, I wouldn't call her necessarily the most socially aware, but she's at least occasionally less likely to stick her foot in her mouth compared to some of her peers, but she's directly going after people throughout a lot of the initial part of this chapter. Um, It says something about my sense of humor that when um, Hermione identified what they're eating as bouillabaisse and Ron said, bless you, I laughed out loud. (laughs) For some reason, reason I found that really amusing. It's also a word that I only know as a result of Gordon Ramsay. Um, Let's see here. The Vila Girl. The Vila girl. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Because A, Sarah, you've told us before that Vila and other non- non-human creatures don't attend school. Well, well, I think we Ron's had questions about Vila and we didn't know. But Horny enough that he thinks she's a Vila. 
Well, it, it doesn't seem like he's alone. She's either that hot, or there is some element of magical effect going on here. Because everybody else in the room was being dread their eyes drawn, too. So, I mean, this is, I guess, a little bit of a spoiler, but it doesn't really matter. She's half, she's half Vila. Oh, that's a thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which nobody else knew either. I think she's half or a quarter. It might have been her grandmother who was a Vila. She, she has Vila blood. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well. But, like, the just bizarre assumption that Ron seems to make actually bears out in the world. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, too, because this is further proof that Harry seems at least vaguely immune to the Vila's charms. We'd seen that before at, you know, the World Cup, that he was one of the few people that after his initial exposure seemingly was able to just kind of shrug it off. This, this is another moment of where the rest of the boys in the room are enraptured, and Harry just like, hey, yeah, here's, here's the food. I mean, Harry's just self-absorbed enough that things like that and the crucifying the what is it cruciatus uh, curse yes cruciatus curse he's just like this doesn't make sense i'm too <laughs> this is factoring into your theory that harry can't love anybody more than himself and so certain effects don't work on him <laughs> there's well there's that but also the, i think this is much more fitting in the uh harry's the one that's writing this as a memoir and mm-hmm. so there's no way he's going to make himself look bad ah. sort of. i'm with you i'm with you uh another thing i found very interesting moody and karakoff Two of them were staring daggers at each other. I mean, like, Karakoff purposely was at the door to the purpose of... Moody was purposely at the door for the purpose of staring daggers at Karakoff. Mm -hmm. Particularly when... I'm pronouncing it right. Karkaroff? Karkaroff, yeah. Karkaroff. Particularly when Karkaroff started to seemingly be very much fascinated with Harry for a second. Mm -hmm. So, Moody, we know, has a list of people that he would love to murder. Uh, That list is getting longer the longer we know Moody. And I think we have another addition to it of somebody who may have had a prior series of uh, run-ins or maybe plausible deniability when it, come to me- when it comes to the idea of being a dark wizard, which, given what we've heard about Durmstrang before, would not come as too much of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, why on God's green earth would Fred and George think for even the slightest damn second that Dumbledore hadn't proofed them from getting into the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> it's it- really just for them. I mean, it's just like... A, well, this is, no, there, no, there were person. there were other people. That's right. It was, there, were, there were a few other people. I think Lee Jordan was also maybe involved too. Um, but it's one of those things of where, guys, you you're impish. But Dumbledore was impish like three generations before you were. <laughs> this man has lived and died that shit for generate for just years upon years. Of course he's going to plan for you. However, uh, in, just in terms of like the usefulness of that spell, the instant ZZ Top Beard, that would have a marketing advantage too. You could sell that kind of particular <laughs> effect as well. Also, I feel like Fred and George might be logging that away for a future, <laughs> yeah. for a future toffee. Write that down. Write that down. <laughs> uh, also, in terms of hair, I very much right now sympathize with Hagrid's hair uh, <laughs> and his desperate failed efforts in terms of getting it tied back into a ponytail. Maybe it'll pull that off for certain courtroom hearings, but beyond that, it just kind of fluffifies. <laughs> I mean, uh, we can send you some axle grease uh, if it'll help your cause. I am using various equivalents to, to mixed effect. Uh, um, also, I, I just also, you, you reminded me talking about uh, the group of boys. Ron was hilariously obsessed about where everybody was going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when he was following the Vila girl around, which was creepy. It's like He yep. followed her home to see where she was sleeping. It's like, Ron, I know you're like 14 and don't know better yet, but dude, learn from this, please. That would be a good use for the age spell. Uh-huh. Uh, also, if Hagrid is excited for the final test, for the first test, dear God, mm-hmm. what does that mean? That's not good. The man's only excited about beasts that will kill you. Are there beasts that will kill you in the first test? I mean, I have what a feeling it's go- going to be a uh, 
a test that you might get screwed a little bit in. I have no idea what you're saying. Uh, I'm the blast-ended re- scroots that we already saw? Oh, has he been breeding them for that purpose? No, 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 no. No, no, it's going to be something bigger and more impressive than that. They're not using insect, aggressive insects as the first test, but I'm betting it's something animal-related that will murder you, because that's the only thing that ever gets Hagrid out of bed in the morning. Uh, Dobby is one hell of a repeated ignored example. It's like everyone just says, the house elves, they love it. You, you would leave them abandoned in the world. And then someone mentions Dobby, and everybody just goes, he's super weird there are weird people in every race and he's just weird (laughs) he's your only data point you can't write it off um also hagrid and maxine oh he got he got dressed to hit on a big giant lady Mm -hmm. he likes the big giant lady it seems like a trope that we've seen elsewhere (laughs) he likes big women and uh, also according to you mcgonagall I, I think Hagrid likes anything that walks, but thinks he has chances with other with <laughs> some select few. Mm. Also, can I just say how... Uh, this is the weirdest statement. I felt such house pride when the Hogwarts hero is a Hufflepuff. <laughs> oh, we've got you, Spencer. Yeah, Hufflepuff so power good. here. All right, man. <laughs> Spencer's very excited to root for Cedric Diggory. He's going to have his scarf on, his little badger hat. It's going to be great. <laughs> Damn straight I am reading those chapters in exactly that way. I know. I was so excited for you that knowing that the Hogwarts champion was going to be a Hufflepuff. Except. On that note, (laughs) of course, Harry has to come in and spoil my fun. What am I supposed to make of that? I mean, I figured. Figured Harry would get in somehow. Yes, you did mention that in 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 a previous pod. Yes. Yes. Given these books, given how Harry has to be front and center for everything. Sure. But as a fourth name that comes out when he didn't put his own name in, there's a conspiracy at work here, and I'm curious who's doing it and why. We Harry Potter and the Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 the only person I know is doing a conspiracy involving Harry is Voldemort. Because we saw at the beginning that Harry in some way factors into his evil plan. But mm-hmm. how could he get in? How could he get an agent? And why would he care? What is the point of getting Harry's name in and why? And who did it? I mean, uh, it's a question I'm going to have here in a second, so we'll get to it in the, there, but I'm just left to a certain degree baffled not only why this happened, but what is its purpose? Mm-hmm. Dumbledore getting... does as Dumbledore does. I mean, like, he is he is somebody that has complete control over all of these things and could have magicked a, a piece of paper that he pulled out of the Goblet of Fire <laughs> because it's... that's the thing that he decided needed to be done to protect it, Harry Potter from doing something stupider or it, similar. I it's mean... Po- it's possible. He, he certainly looked surprised at the end. It looked like he was caught off guard, but I'm sure that man is a trained actor. So who could say? Or he he set a plan into motion like a day ago and has absolutely no memory of it. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a second to understand that. Okay. Sarah, who won, who lost this chapter? Oh, boy. Um, so, I, well, before we get there, um, I just wanted to say, BJ, I'm so so delighted to have you back on the train where you don't know what's going on and what's going to happen. <laughs> this is great for me. Um, <laughs> so just to, to put a pin in that for myself, that was that's awfully nice. But I think um, winners and losers of this chapter, you know, I think that by the time we get to the end of the chapter, I don't think it's like, 
spoiling things to say that Harry being chosen as a champion is not great for him. Mm. But we actually don't really get that in this chapter. Sure. Mm -hmm. We might assign him loser of the chapter next chapter. TBD, I suppose. But um, with that kind of caveat, we have spent... We have spent a lot of time discussing just how mad Hermione was throughout this chapter. Yep. And also the put down that she got from Hagrid. Yeah. That was... I was going to bring that up. Like this, this complete undercutting of this thing that she has really thrown herself into that in every other situation would have gotten her a lot of praise. Mm -hmm. She's really, it's... It's a difficult chapter for her. We don't see yep. a lot of her near the end of the chapter, but I don't that beginning. Oof. Rough. Yeah. I was honestly, I was kind of expecting with her that Hagrid would be supportive. I mean, the man's half giant. He loves non-human creatures. He's the main mm -hmm. person that associates with them on grounds. Mm -hmm. So to have a more than a little bit prejudiced view come out of him, you can see how that in particular would be deflating for her. Yeah. It also, like, I don't know if, I mean, I, I guess I know kind of where we're going with this, but even on a reread, Hagrid having that reaction gives me a little bit of pause about the house elves mm. and what they want. Um, yeah. You know, it still reads as, as pretty prejudiced, but Hagrid kind of is the expert. So it's sort of like, well, I don't, I mean, maybe, I don't know. We did have a moment, I think it was last chapter, of when um, I think it was Fred and George told Hermione that, Hermione, we've hung out with them. They're mm -hmm. happy. They enjoy this. And Hermione's mm -hmm. response was classic, you know, white university intellectual about, they're yes. just brainwashed and they don't know better <laughs> what they want yet. Yeah. So I think J.K. Rowling is flirting with that concept to a certain degree, but mm -hmm. we've got Dobby. Yes. We know Dobby is a, is a point here. We've got, we've got Dobby. Dobby is right. always there. Maybe and, but, more than we want him to be. And we also, like have this sense of trepidation from how like all of the house elves that we've interacted have like punishments that are always leveled yes. against them when they're not doing mm -hmm. exactly what whoever is deciding what they're going to be doing and that is sort of like the like yes they might be happy when they're not actively being punished mm -hmm. <laughs> but once those punishments thing. come in to play like it is yeah yeah Right, and, and but but not even that. It's just like when they're not being punished, they might be a lot happier. Mm -hmm. But that's not a they're happy. That's a sure. they're not being punished. Sure, yeah. that's a world so. where the only only concept they have of not working is a kind of electric beam to the brain. So they get ha they find happiness in their work by that might not having that. Sure. So yeah, fair okay, uh, Hermione. Then I would agree. Seems like a pretty noted loser of this chapter yeah Who wins though it's a you know, rough call we have some it's it's hard because we actually have i think some options here uh yeah. hagrid might be finding love which is great <laughs> yeah he's excited about it <laughs> where um, it's going no one he, knows he's, he's still got a bunch of scroots he's still yes although um, they are attacking each other so it's unclear yes. how long that's gonna go on oh, um, God. He, he's not gonna give her a scroot as a pet is he it's like buying her a puppy kind of thing. TBD, Spencer, I suppose. Oh, no, I was kidding. Don't, no, no, don't do that. Um, I would say Dumbledore. Dumbledore? Would be a, like, yeah. he, Dumbledore is, I think, is happiest as an MC. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and also got to put beards on a bunch of students. Girls included. That was fun. That was fun for him. You could tell he was having a... He was, he was there in the room. He was like, he was clearly... Out. 
he didn't even bother to stop them. He like he at any point said no. It's like nope, I've done this. I, all I just am, imagine him like sitting off to the side and just giggling mm-hmm. as they walk up and just like. I want to see how long the beard is this time. He also seems to have, um, like, actively informed Madame Pumphrey before this all started God. that this might be a thing she <laughs> yep. has to deal with. I'm just imagining a scenario now where it's two chairs set up in a dark corner with the with the sorting hat and, and uh, Dumbledore just sitting next to each other with like this big bowl of jelly beans swimming, saying, "Just they're going. Oh, it's yes. going to happen in a second. Oh yes. <laughs> so Dumbledore also had a very good day. You know, we didn't really get much of his reaction, but we got your reaction, Spencer. Ah. Cedric Diggory had a good day. Puff or puff. And you know what? I've got to say, Ron also did not have a bad day. Um, he got to watch people that he likes in the world move around. At least two of them. <laughs> at for least, different reasons. At least two of so, them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, are, are we just going with... He's a voyeur. Like this is like he's happy. I think so. I don't think he actually wants to engage with. Because he seems terrified when he has to hand. Right. He doesn't want to actually interact with them. (laughs) What what was her name? Fleur. Do I know that yet? Oh yeah, we're right. She's the same. Yeah, she she is the champion from Bobaton. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So a tough tough decision to make on the winner of this chapter. So many people had good days. Um. But I actually, I think I'm going to give it, I think it's got to be Dumbledore for the sheer joy that he seems to be getting uh, from both directing these events and just messing with people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) He really accomplished everything he wanted to, except, you know, and this is, never mind, never mind. I don't want to give that spoiler. So he had a, he had a good day. (laughs) Good. Uh, Questions, Brad? Questions. Um, All right. Well. I think you already confirmed that this is a kind of scenario of where the designated champions were the select few that got to come to the school. Mm-hmm. It, what, this is not in any way example. This is the entire student body. These aren't very small foreign academies. No. Um, following that up, the implication, it seems, from the description of how the tournament would work, is that they're going to be here a while. They stay like, the whole year. Okay. They actually don't go back to their school. They don't attend classes with the Hogwarts students. It seems like Karkaroff and Madame Maxime are doing like, I don't like independent studies or something with them on the boat and in the carriage. Um, Man, that's but Dumbledore would stay. never on the list of things that Dumbledore would never volunteer to do. That's high. <laughs> you want me to teach you? You want me to teach twenty students all their classes for a year? <laughs> no. McGonagall or Snape though? They would do it. I, yeah, Snape would a hundred percent do it. Oh, yeah, and he'd be delighted in being irritated the entire time. <laughs> uh, he'd, particularly be, he'd particularly be irritated if it was, there were some non-Slytherin students that got named as champions. Sure. Okay. Uh, BJ, question from you. Um, do all of the trappings uh, associated with Dumbledore, are, are those Dumbledore-specific, or, or did, did they appear before and, like, afterwards, or... Uh, do we just not have enough or is it too spoilery and not have enough information uh, to really go with it because what what trappings I guess is my question so like the goblet of fire Mm. the sorting hat sort of all of those things I mean Mm -hmm. the sorting hat have to have to have occurred before him that's Gryffindor's hat Mm -hmm. and will occur in the future presumably um, but, but there sort of seem to be a lot of things that like he conducts mm. that 
might happen or might not and like how much of that is the head of the school does it how much isn't uh is it just something else and 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 like also do do some of these things hold true in other schools yeah no that's a i mean i think that's a that's a fair question as far as i know i mean you're right about the sorting hat that is sort of steadfast in Mm -hmm. um the hogwarts school experience the goblet of fire as far as we know that's a kind of independent magical object um, mm-hmm. It might be rotated around between the governments of um, the countries or regions or what, however they yeah. are being, whatever the equivalent of the Ministry of Magic is. Because it does seem like Bagman and Crouch are the ones who are kind of responsible for bringing the Triwizard Tournament as well as the Goblet of Fire right. to. But that's not like a Hogwarts artifact. And as far as I know, it doesn't like live at the individual schools as it goes around Although this gets a little hinky because it had been the Triwizard Tournament had been suspended for so long before right. this event, um, but I think that actually is like held by the government, um, okay. not the school itself. And so that continues around. As far as I know, it's always been the Goblet of Fire that chose the champions. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that like more than the objects or kind of things themselves. Dumbledore is has flair that is Dumbledore's alone. Um, yeah, that does make things like a little different at Hogwarts. Um, although I think that like more more actually in the movies maybe than in the books, Madame Maxime is a very stylish woman who has a like a real <laughs> sort of cult of personality going on at Bobaton as well. I think um, she is deeply cool and. Um, I'm very into her in the world. I think that she is actually more Dumbledore's ilk than Karkaroff is. It seems like the two of them know each other. Based on what was, what, uh, blanking already on what the pet name she called him was. Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore. Yes, I think they're friends. Okay. Uh, speaking, speaking of prior relations, do Maxine and Hagrid know each other? Is this their first meeting? I believe this is their first meeting and that Hagrid oh. is just starstruck by her. <laughs> oh. And possibly by the horses that she brought he likes the big lady. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's enough for me. And Sarah, I think you need to be headed out anyway. So anything else to discuss? Or do we have chapter 17? We, we have, have chapter the 17. Four champions. Yes, this is a much shorter chapter. Um, the four champions. What is our... Oh, our image before... For Indeed. The... Harry with a long shadow with apparently a mark in the middle of the shadow too, unless it's just an error in my book. Hmm. I think it might be a printing error, but it does almost, it is almost reminiscent of his scar appearing in his shadow. <laughs> Middle of his chest, yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I have a, 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 I don't have that. Yeah, okay. don't, that's just a printing error. Just, just a year. <laughs> I would have dwelled on that for hours. <laughs> oh, I'm glad we can get you that time back in your life, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, this, this was a pleasure. I'm looking forward to the next chapter. Yeah, this has been fun, guys. Yeah.